You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. my son for you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, the world. That's a loving God. That's a loving God. Moses said to Israel, you blew it. You rejected God. And now you have to pay the price. And Israel's been paying the price all along. And it will pay a mighty price come the last days. But God will deal with them on his own time. God will deal with the nation Israel. Right now, he wants to deal with you. God's wanting to deal with you and your decision today about salvation through His Son. In today's message, you'll learn from Pastor Dave that today is the day to receive salvation. Don't put off any longer the opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Receive Jesus' love and forgiveness for you and your sins today. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 7 as he continues his message, Israel's Rebellion Against God. Moses said, I will put my words in his mouth. This prophet's going to speak God's word. (laughs) Listen to this. It doesn't get any clearer than this. John 12, 29. Jesus said, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me and commanded me what I should say and what I should speak. Moses said, this prophet will not speak his own words. There you go. I will require it of him. Like Moses, this prophet's message will be rejected at a great penalty. If you're rejecting God, there's a great penalty for rejecting God. Do you know what that is? Some might say hell. Some might say damnation. Well, you're kind of right. But the worst penalty of all kind, separation from God forever. If that's not hell, I don't know what is. Separation from God. Right now, we're enjoying the presence of God. But as you reject God, there could be a separation there. As we reject Him, if you're on the cusp right now, if you haven't made a decision for Christ, do not let your heart become hard. Moses says, I will raise up a prophet. We studied about this on Wednesday nights. They asked John the Baptist, are you the prophet? John said, no, I am not he. But one comes after me whose shoelaces I can't even tie. I can't even latch his sandals together. One will come in. And then New Testament in Acts, and we studied this in Acts 3, Peter declares that this very prophet that we're talking about was Jesus Christ. He declares that. Now, when we get to verse 38 today's study, we can get a little bit of a trouble. We can get in just a little bit of trouble. It says, this is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and received with our fathers the one who received the living oracles to give to us. The congregation in the wilderness. The word here used for congregation is the Greek word ekklesia. It means those who are called out. That's the literal meaning, those who are called out. The problem arises is when we go to the New Testament, the word for church is ekklesia. Now, there are those who contend that Israel and the church are the same. That's not true. I do not believe that Israel and the church are the same. And you can't take every time you see the name Israel and replace it for the church. It's not the same. There are different dispensations for both. 
different dispensations for the church and for Israel. God will deal with each of them in different ways. You make mistake about that. There's a different thing. Now, are there similarities between the church and Israel? Absolutely. There are similarities that we can look at, but they are not one and the same. The church are those that were called out, it says. The church today are the ones God called out to Jesus Christ. They can be Jew, Gentile alike. They can be a new group, a new group of people that God has called out. That's the church today, ecclesia. That's our church. They are God's special people, chosen by God. Peter makes it real clear in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. He makes it extremely clear. Peter is not talking to Israelites. He's not talking to Jews. Peter is talking to the church, the new Christian, Jew and Gentile alike, who have accepted Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. But you are a chosen nation, generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, whose own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were a people but now are the people of God, and who had not attained mercy but now have attained it. Peter says, you're a chosen generation. Those things that used to exclusively belong to Israel the chosen, the priesthood, the calling. They're no longer exclusively Israel. Now they're ours. They're the church, the new church. They're the property of every Christian, and we have them in greater spiritual sense. Why do we have them in a greater sense than Israel had them? Because we have the Holy Spirit. We have a greater spiritual understanding because of God's Holy Spirit. He says we're a royal priesthood. The offices of royalty, the offices of the priesthood, were so separated by Israel, but Jesus who is our king and our high priest, has taken the two and made them one. He's taken the two and made them one now. The new man in Christ, the new church. Christ has brought us together, the Jew and Gentile alike. We are his own special people. You know, when you're special, we belong to God. I know you've all been to museums, and I know what fun they are to go through and look at all the artifacts and all these different things. And when you see something, what makes it special? When you look at something, now it could be just a hat. Hmm, that's really special. But if they said, a hat worn by King George III, ooh, then it becomes really special because it has a meaning to it. It has meaning. God takes ordinary people, and because he takes ordinary people, he makes them their own. They become special because we belong to God. We're special people. We're very special. We've obtained mercy when we didn't have mercy. We've never seen the mercy of God, but we've obtained it from God now. We were never called to be his people. It was Israel who was called, but God has now called us. See, in our culture today, with his foundations and his Christian foundations, we don't understand the tremendous privilege that the Gentiles had coming into this culture. They were shunned. They were turned away. They could never seek God on their own. They had to become Jews. They had to become proselytes. They didn't have their own God. This was so special to them. Peter's saying, you never used to belong, but now you do. Now you do because of Christ. Why? Why do we belong? So that we can proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's a reason we belong to Christ, to proclaim his glory, to proclaim his love. And that's what we do. We proclaim. We're going to study this further as we move along in the book of Acts, the differences between Israel and the church. But as we continue in our study today in verses 39 and 40, look what it says. Whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses, who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Here we see Israel not only rejecting Moses when he came the first time, but now they're rejecting him even after they understood that Moses was their deliverer. Even after the deliverance, they're rejecting Moses here again in the wilderness. For 40 years, they rejected him. 
40 years they rejected Moses. He went up to the mountain. He's up there, and he was up there for 40 days getting the oracles of God, the commandments, the word of God. He was getting that for them. And down below they were going, where is this guy? What happened to him? What are we paying this guy for? Where is he? How come he's not around? They pressured Aaron to fashion false gods so they could worship him. They pressured him. I want to do a study in the Bible about all the excuses made in the Bible. Man, there's some doozies. I don't know if you've ever read them and kept track of the excuses in the Bible. I mean, the first one, of course, is when, when Adam said to God, it's the woman you gave me. That's a great excuse. I love that one. But Moses, here's a better excuse. This is a better excuse, I think. And this might be my most favorite excuse in the Bible. Moses comes down with the mountain, and there they all are, dancing and screaming around the golden calf that it says Aaron fashioned. And Moses says, Aaron, what did you do? My man Aaron says, well, we took all this gold, we threw it into the fire, and guess what? A golden calf came dancing out. What a great excuse. My man Aaron, way to go, buddy. You thought that up pretty well. When it says, you fashioned the calf yourself. No, no, we just threw it in there, and here comes the calf. I love it. But guess what? The Jews are still asking the same question today. Only they're not asking where Moses is. They're asking where Jesus is. They're asking where the Messiah is. You go over to Israel, and there's great big signs on all the buses that says, the Messiah is coming. They're still looking for him. They're saying to people, we've been oppressed for thousands upon thousands of years. We've been oppressed. Don't you remember the Holocaust? Millions of us were gassed in chambers. Where's Jesus and all that? Where's this Jesus? You say he's the Messiah? Well, where is he? Where's this Jesus? That's what the Jews are saying today. You might even be asking your same question about that today in your own hearts. You might be going through something that's pretty bad in your life. You may be really struggling with some things in your life, and you may be asking yourself, where is Jesus in the midst of this? And that could be a true question for you. That could be a true feeling for you. But he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you through the fire. Be, I will be with you. I will always be with you. You can count on me. And that's where we get our hope, that Jesus is with us and that he will appear in the midst of this circumstance, regardless of how horrible it will be. And we will have that peace in our hearts, knowing that he's going to work all things together for good. That peace is going to be in our heart. It may not change the situation. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, don't throw things at me. It may make the situation worse. But Jesus is with you. He's with you and always wants to be there. Don't reject him. Don't reject your Savior. Don't reject the Lord. In verse 41, Stephen says to Israel, your rejection was not of Moses, guys. It was of God. You're not rejecting this man, this prophet, You're rejecting God Almighty. It says, and they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. No sooner did Israel receive the law, they broke it. They broke the first two commandments when they fashioned the calf and started worshiping the calf. Just like that. Man has no chance to obey the law. Stephen said to the council and the leaders, they took such pride in Moses. They said, what did you do when Moses was on the mountain? Except you played games. You danced around the calf. You played games. And then Stephen's looking at him and goes, remember Jesus hanging on the cross? What did you do then too? You played games. You threw dice for his clothes. You played games. I got to ask you the question, you playing games with Christ today? Are you playing church? Are you playing games? We got to be careful. We need to worship God in spirit and truth. We need to worship God for who He is. We've got to stop playing games and get right with God and get truth with God. 
We can't look to God and say, okay, I'm here today, but tomorrow I'm going to do something else and be out in the world. We've got to be very careful with this. He says the phrase rejoice in the works of their own hand is very interesting because one of the accusations that they made against Stephen was he was blaspheming against the very temple. Now we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about the temple. But it was the way Israel worshipped the temple. They were worshipping the temple and not God. Does this sound familiar? Ladies and gentlemen, we have churches today that meet today that worship the Holy Spirit and worship the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they worship the gifts of the Holy Spirit more than they worship the gift giver. I contend that we need to look at the gift giver who gives marvelously, abundantly to all those who give gifts. I'm not knocking the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I preach the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are valuable for today's... But we got to look at Jesus who gives those, the Spirit who gives those. We can't follow after one thing. We can't rejoice in the works of our own hands. We can't do that. We can't rejoice at something we built. Look what we did. I mean, as much as we'd like to give credit and take credit for a wonderful vacation Bible school, it was God Almighty that did that wonderful vacation Bible school. It was the Lord who did that and arranged that. Never thought we'd have 17 kids here. Never thought we'd have that good of a time that the kids would be so blessed. I never thought that we would be blessed beyond belief for what was happening here by those kids. That was wonderful. I wanted that. Don't get me wrong. I prayed for that. But God answered a prayer mightily. It was wonderful. We need to be careful when we do not begin to worship the things which we accomplish our own hands, when we start worshiping those things, we've got to be careful. Are your actions rejecting Jesus Christ? Are your actions rejecting Christ because you're playing games? Time to stop playing church. Time to get serious about Christ. You want to see your neighbors saved? You want to see your family saved? You want to see the nation change? Time to get serious. It's time for us as Christians to stand up for righteousness. That's what we're being called to do, stand up for righteousness. It's our job. God, stop playing games and get serious about the Lord. He finishes his discussion about Moses in verses 42 and 43. And he says that Israel was finally turned away by God. Did you hear that? Israel was finally turned away by God. This is the result when you reject God. He gave them over to worship of idols. It says, then God turned and gave them up to the worship of the host of heaven. As it is written in the book of the prophets, did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of God, Repam, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. The Jews worshipped. They began worshipping idols instead of God. You can read about that in Joshua 24, 14, when he says, put away the idols before you cross the river. Put away the idols that your fathers had. They were worshipping idols. They went into the promised land, and guess what? They started worshipping all the idols of the pagans. They started worshipping all the idols there. What are we doing God repeatedly disciplined his people. He disciplined them. He sent prophets that came in and said, don't worship idols, worship God. They rejected the prophets. They killed the prophets. And what did God do? God basically said, so you want idols, do you? If it's idols you want, idols you get. Babylon comes in, carries them away, and for 70 years they had to worship all these idols in Babylon. They were presented face-to-face with nothing but idols in Babylon. And Josephus writes in his historian, says, they got so full of idols that to this day, the leaders of Israel abhor idols because they had had it up to here. What he's telling us is, you sin enough, you sin enough, God will give you over to that sin. You don't believe it's true? We have to take Acts 7.42 and we have to connect it to Romans 1.24-28 where God gave them over to retrobate minds. 
because of their lust and their filthiness and because they were doing things against God, God said, you want that so much? Have at it. Go for it. And he gave them up, and he gave them over to that. See, sometimes we are doing something so wrong, so apart from God, that God finally says, okay, go ahead, do it. I'm here, but do it. And we get so sick of it. We get so sick and tired of it. We finally turn around and cry out to God. He says, yes, I'm here. Sometimes God will do that to you. God will let our uncleanliness and our stuff take care of us. Look at the nation today. Look at the downward spiral of our world today. Look what's happening. Evolution's being taught. They are denying the existence of a holy God. You can have abortion on any single corner you want to go to. Man is ruling instead of God ruling. We've taken God out of the thinking process. We've taken everything out. We're going ahead, and we're sinking into this rebel and this filthiness. We're degraded. We're downward spiral. We can look at it, and we can see it, exactly what Paul was talking about. If you eliminate God from your life, if you eliminate God from your schools, if you eliminate God from your churches, if you eliminate God from all things, this is what you'll get. This is what you'll get. He said, being filled with all unrighteousness, they held the truth of God in unrighteousness. They started to believe the lie. Stephen quoted Amos 5, 25-27. He said, revealed that the Jews had really been doing all those years. This is what he says the Jews have been doing. You've been worshiping with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You've been praising me one moment and cussing me with the same mouth the next moment. Look at Mark 7, verse 6. He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites? That is, it's written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The heart is far from me. I have to ask the question, Are you giving God lip service or are you giving Him heart service? Who's this Molech guy? Where does Molech come from? Well, this Molech guy was the god of prosperity and success. Hmm, he sounds familiar. God of prosperity and success. He was the god that the parents would take their young kids and sacrifice them to him so that they would have great businesses, so they would have great success in their businesses. They would sacrifice. It's appalling, isn't it? Oh, really? You know what? I'm really trying to get ahead in this business world. I don't think I can have this baby. I think I'll abort it. Doing it for success, doing it for prosperity. Scary. It's scary. God's law was given to the Jews to protect them from the pagan influence. It was given to them so that they could enjoy the blessings of the land. It was the law that made them a holy people. They had God's word. God gave them his very word that was spoken to them. They had it in their hands. When Israel broke down that wall of distinction by disobeying God's law, they forfeited the blessings of God. They gave up the God's blessing. Don't do that. Don't forfeit the blessings of God by rejecting Jesus Christ. Jesus is our protection from a pagan world. Jesus is the only protection we have. He's the one to allow us to enjoy the blessings of God. Our faith in Him makes us a holy nation. It makes us a royal priesthood, and God sets us apart. That's where holy means. Holy means to be set apart. We are holy because of our relationship with Christ. A false God is anything that interferes with your relationship to God. Anything that gets in the way with your relationship with God is a false God. Anything you put before God on that priority list is an idol. It's false. But he loves and chastises those he loves. Let me leave you with this. We need to worship God in spirit and truth. That's how he wants us to worship him. 
He wants to worship him in spirit and truth. He doesn't want any more lip service. He wants us to bow down before him, a holy God. He wants us to devote our lives to him who has called us out of darkness and has brought us into his marvelous light. Look where you are. Look where you are as Christians. According to the book of Ephesians, it says we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What? Yeah. That means positionally. Positionally, we are in Christ, and Christ is sitting on the right hand of God the Father. That is our position in Christ. And you're in the throne room of God. Are we going to take some of the stuff that we do into the throne room of God? Are we going to take it before a most holy God? We're sitting beside God in Christ Jesus. That's where our position is. And you're probably thinking, Dave, you've lost your mind. I'm sitting right here listening to you squawk on. Right, this flesh is here. My spirit, it says in Ephesians, we are seated in heavenly places. Positionally, that's our position in Christ. I don't ever want to leave that. I don't ever want to reject it. I don't ever want to walk away from that. I want to walk in His truth. I want to walk in His power. I want to walk in His glory. He who's called you is, is abundantly able to do all exceedingly more than you ever could even imagine. He wants to, us to have a life based on Him and the glory that will follow. Yes, there's going to be hardship. I, I can't lie to you. There's going to be a hardship, and life hurts like heck. It really does. But we need to be comforted and know that our Savior is with us day in, day out, night in, night out, and He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And in that, we need to be comforted because you know what? Sometimes that's the only comfort we have, and it's enough. It's enough. We serve a holy and righteous God, a wonderful maker. Don't get to the point. He's cast you off. Don't get to the point where he says, I've had enough of you. You want that so badly? Boy, are you going to get a lot of that. Don't get to that point. You don't want to be there. God loves you too much. God loves you more than you ever can imagine. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. A love that will never fade, never fail, go away. It will never, ever end. That's how much he loves you. So much that he would give his son. So much. Who are you going to give your son for? Who are you going to give your son for? Who are you going to give your daughter for? No one. God says, I'm giving my son for you and you and you and you and you and you and the world. That's a loving God. That's a loving God. Moses said to Israel, you blew it. You rejected God. And now you have to pay the price. And Israel's been paying the price all along. And it will pay a mighty price come the last days. But God will deal with them on his own time. God will deal with the nation Israel. Right now, he wants to deal with you. Once now, he wants to deal with you. He wants all to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior. He wants everyone to come into the kingdom. He wants everyone to be born again of a living hope. He wants everyone to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. If you haven't done that as of today, my question is, what do you wait? Today is the day of salvation. Don't let your heart be hard to be hard. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope Radio with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of Acts. In this book, you'll hear about many people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were now going to tell others about Jesus, and many were coming to a saving faith. 
If these disciples were just following some flash-in-the-pan rabbi, they wouldn't have been so eager to risk their lives for the sake of telling about this good news. No, it's because they saw it lived out, and they saw the greatest miracle of all happen, Jesus dying and then rising again. What an incredible time to live. So when you're facing opposition and persecution for following Jesus, remember that these disciples did too, and they were willing to face the ramifications for such faith. If you're wrestling with what this means to have a saving faith, we'd love to seek God in prayer with and for you. You can email us your requests at info at capewatchradio.com. If you'd rather call, we can chat with you on the phone too. Our number is 609-884-5821. That phone number once more is 609-884-5821. Anything else you'd like to know about can be found on our website, assurehoperadio.com. We've come to the end of our time together for today, but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave shares some more great things from the Bible here on Assure Hope. Rescued us, we're ready now to stand up on our feet. Born again, we now go out. We set our hope on praise. Sure.